Welcome to The Car Trade Revisited, the podcast series where we talk about the industry we all love and have running through our veins. I'm Gordon McLeish and I've spent over five decades in the trade. Over the coming weeks, I'll try to inform, entertain and remind you of the things you've probably forgotten. Things that make us all caries. So join me on my nostalgic journey. When we needed to finance a car, GMAC was the first port of call for us. Well, for all new cars, that is. We had Lombard and others we could use if GMAC found a deal was a bit so-so, sort of a deal that they didn't want to look at. As well as Lombard, there was IAC, Industrial Acceptance Corporation, AGC, which was Australian Guarantee Corporation, Custom Credit and Avco, if you're really desperate. With GMAC, if we got a contract approved and settled, we received an extra $5 commission. And believe me, that was pretty handy. I was on about $50 a week, so commissions were structured for volume selling. Not like today, when order takers, as I call them, think that he, he or she's a gun if they've done 10 sales for the month. The average used car hack in the early days was selling 25 or 30 cars, if they're any good. So my pay scheme was, um, I think it was $10 for the first five, $15 for the next five, and $20 per sale after that. Not retrospective. Plus, uh, used cars had a great system of paying bonuses. You got $5 or $10 sometimes for selling old stock if it was 30 days or 60 days or 90 days old. So you could have sold 15 cars a week, which I was, you'd get around $250 to $300 extra. Plus, if half of them were finance or old stock, you could add another 80 or $90 to that. So $250 per month retainer, a company car, petrol, and around $300 a month in commissions, you could earn $400 or $500 per month. And for a 19-year-old, that was quite good money. I'd just got married. I was desperate to save money for the deposit on our first home. It was really good money, I suppose, when I look back at it now. But you had to put in. You had to do the hard yards, hard graft. GMAC were hard buyers of used cars too. They only wanted the cream of the deals. You know, the ones with minimum risk. I think Paddo's probably were on some sort of recourse agreement where you buy back any bad players and payers whose cars are repoed. So we had to have a second string finance source and ours was Lombard. They were down near the railway station in Ringwood and they were good people to deal with but back then all finance deals were handled by the selling salesperson so we didn't have any F&I people back then. And all those credit apps and the little rate chart books you had to open up and page one, 500 and then page two for the 50s and page six for the fives and then the pennies and cents all had to be calculated. Then you had to sit on the phone for hours and ring through your deals from the weekend. It was just too time-consuming for some guys. Yeah, and you guessed it, lots of potential mistakes. I mean, remember what I said earlier in an earlier podcast, most of the used car salesmen had trouble writing their own name. And new car sales agreements, oh God, and, and getting numbers to balance was a miracle. But I didn't mind doing finance deals as there was some extra money in there, extra commissions, if, especially they were going through GMAC. The other old stages, they just hated it. They'd flick past finance stuff to me. Go, hey, Gordo, hey, young Gordon. No one called me Gordo back then. That's my latest thing. But I'm told, listening to David Dunn the other day, who rang me, that I was called Talkie McLeish. So there's something. 
Um, they'd say, hey, young Gordon, here's some finance heads. Do you want to speak to them? Probably rotten eggs anyway, by the look of them. Bring it on, money, money, money. I love the money. Then one day the manager from Lombard suggested that instead of trying, <laughs> tying up people and having them phone through finance applications, tying up all his girls, he'd call in on his way through to work on a Monday morning. He'd pick up all the credit apps. He'd approve them by lunchtime and all we had to do was drop the customers down when their cars were ready down to his office and he'd do all the signing up. We didn't get any commission from Lombard, so most of the guys just ignored it, but when GMAC knocked back a deal, the used car manager would say, yeah, give young Gordon a go and, and see if his mate down the road can get it proved. They might have been selling around 25 cars a month, but me, I was on a steady 15 or 16, but most GMAC finance were put into my deals, plus old stock bonuses, and if I, I got a deal approved for somebody else, I'd get a flick pass or a house deal from my manager. Sweet as, they used to be good. Anyway, the guy at Lombards had been pestering us for some time to give him some more deals and we just weren't seeing many that GMAC didn't take at the time. So one day I asked him, what sort of deals are you looking for? He said, well, let's see. Um, and he made this fatal mistake. He said, oh, anyone, put anyone up. We'll, we'll at least have a look at them. So I took him at his word one day. I got this chap who came in looking for a family-sized Holden. He was wearing tracky dacks. He had a black T-shirt, packet of fags, you know, up the top of his shoulder under his black T-shirt. And he was wearing matching black moccasins. And he, But he was a really lovely guy. He was a really nice bloke to talk to. He tried dozens of yards and he kept getting knocked back, he reckons. And he, I, I sort of fell in love with him and his wife. They were, they were just battlers and they were looking for someone to give him a break. And I said, have you got a suit or a tie? Nah, I haven't. What about your Rellos? Have they got a suit and a tie? Anyone there? Oh, yeah, he said, my, my cousin's got one. He wears it when he goes to court. So I got him to go and borrow his suit from his cousin, arranged for his wife to swap her jeans f just for the day and go and borrow one of her sister's dresses. And I set up an appointment with Lombard on the pretense that they'd just lobbed into the yard and I couldn't see them because I was busy signing somebody else up. Just see what you can do. I said, you know, See if you can get them set. He said, yeah, yeah, no worries. Set them down. They didn't even have a car. They, they caught a train to the yard and walked about three miles up the road from the station to the yard. So, you know, I got a cleaner and I said, look, take these people down to Lombards and wait. So he piled them in and their four kids all looking beautiful, had big, bright blue eyes and lovely smiles that made your heart melt. And about an hour later, the phone call came through. McLeish, you bastard, you're a shocker. How could I say no to that lovely family? I just thought, hmm, exactly how could you? The car was the oldest stocker on the lot. It had heaps of commissions in it. But you know what? They brought people in, heaps of relatives, heaps of friends, to buy cars for me for years. And you know the car? It never missed a beat. Working in used cars was a hierarchical thing. If you were the gun salesman, you had the front row. The second best salesman had the second row, and so it worked its way back through the rows of cars on display. So you can imagine as the used car sales cadet where my row was, it was the back row, up under the big sign, the big hoarding at the back. Now the back row in any car yard's the problem car row. Cars that are hard to start, got all up plugs, or 
They need a re-clean or a freshen up, flat batteries, boots that are flooded with water. Back then, most boots are flooded with water. Cars that just maybe needed another polish or detail just to freshen them up a little bit. And sometimes they were filthy inside. You just couldn't go back on the lot without a detail. But they were mostly the drive cars that salesmen drove. You know, the family cars that they give them a demo and you can fit you know, 22 bales of hay in the back seat and you can put whatever it is for their boat expeditions full of petrol, drums, anything. Kids go to the footy. They just kept driving them until they became old stockers. But I love those ones. I love them plonking them in my row, my row of ugly ducklings, they used to say. My glorious row of shit heaps, someone said. But that was my job. Me and the young apprentice mechanic had to figure out what was wrong with them. Why does the car have a flat battery? Why? They left the doors open, left the boot lids up. We'd go down and pick up some good batteries out of the wholesale trade cars that were going off the auctions and swap them over, or we'd drill a little hole in the boot, let the water flow out. That solved the flooding problem. Whatever it took to get the cars back on the front row. Hmm. But being a bit of a grafter type of guy, I'd learnt, I'd become a bit streetwise, street smart by this stage, I noticed that every time they'd start their cars, which was every morning, to charge the batteries up, they'd pull out the choke halfway, and if they'd left the car running for a little while, maybe went away to answer the phone, they came back, you need to push the choke back in, you couldn't leave the car sitting with the choke out, or it choked itself, it oiled up the plugs or whatever. And some would come in and do a test drive and the car would just run like a, a dog. It would just be like a washing machine, chug, 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 chug. So off it would go, onto the back row, a bit of TLC from Gordon and the young apprentice. It was great for me, though, because everyone forgot about the shiny new car that really only needed the plugs cleaned or, even easier still, drive it up the road and give it a kick in the guts and run it up Ringwoods Hill and blow smoke out the back, but it cleaned the plugs out. After a few miles, brand new. Tidy, dirty cars. All they needed was a tub and a vac. Job done. Customers would eventually make it past the lot lizards out the front who probably had a head that they were trying to work and keeping guard, making sure no one could escape. And they come up past uh, a salesman or two, and they used to use the secret password that most customers have. You get a used car salesman, and they say, can I help you? And uh, the secret password, if anyone's listening, is, no thanks, I'm just looking. They sure we're looking. They're looking around for a salesman. That's what I used to think. Anyway, hey, I'm here. Hello, check out the back row. Gordon's down here. Sometimes everyone was busy with heads, so I'd be pacing around my little trinkets up and down the back of the yard. I wasn't allowed up the front. If there's people around, you can all busy, you can come down, but you stay up the back. Up they'd come, hello, I'm looking for a HK whatever, and I was up, I was ready. I know I was just a mere back rower, but bloody hell, I had some great looking stock from all over the lot, put back there in my row because of a simple thing that could have been fixed in minutes if they had the inclination, but thank God they didn't. Their loss was my row's gain. I had some plums back there, all running like clockwork. Now, Lindsay J., he was a bit of a character. I remember one morning he came in, made himself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and said out loud for all to hear, if you work part-time, say, night shift, what time would it be if it was equal to, say, 2 o'clock in the morning? And I said, oh, I don't know, Lindsay. I've never worked night shift, but I reckon if you work night shift, say, 
four or five in the morning you'd finish work. You get home about six or seven o'clock, so probably about ten thirty in the morning, eleven o'clock, maybe something like that. Might be the middle of the night. He said, "Righto, good, thanks, no problems." So about ten thirty, I'm sitting there having a morning smoke, and I hear Lindsay pick up the phone in our little cubicle area and dial a number. And he said out loud, "It was done, so you could hear him. Everyone could hear." He says, "Oh, hello, Mr. Smith. Yeah." um, hope I didn't wake you up. Uh, oh, I did. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Are you the guy who works night shift? Yeah. Oh, you are? Yes. All oh, right. Um, well, I won't take too much of your time then. I, you know, you probably want to get back to sleep. I think you're the guy that dialed the after-hours number next to the red payphone at the front of the showroom at Bill Patterson Motors last, last night and spoke to a guy about a red Monaro. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's you. Oh, that's good. Well, that was me. You see, you woke me up from a deep sleep at about 2 o'clock this morning wanted to know all about the car, but I couldn't give you the info you wanted, so I just thought I'd uh, seen I'd been woken up at 2am in the morning from a deep sleep and didn't have all those details with me. I just thought I might uh, give you a call and let you know that I've got all those details now and I could probably do a better price than I gave you last night when you woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning from my deep sleep. And uh, then I heard, hello, hello. Oh, fuck, he's hung up. He turned around, he looked at me, Lindsay, and he said, Well, young Gordon, I think the karma bus just run the bastard over. Lindsay, he truly was a bit of a shocker. Funny guy to be around, always doing stupid stuff, always funny. We used to share the office together, so me and then Frank Woodhouse sat next to us, and I'd share the office between two of the guys, whichever one was empty, I'd plop in. I sort of, they were not offices either, like little closing stalls, just a desk and some chairs and a desk blotter. But Lindsay would get bored some days. I don't know what got into him, but sometimes he, he just didn't want to sell cars for the day. He'd just sit there and in these cubicles stare out at the traffic going past out the window. He's just sort of moping around. And I needed the office space one day and to try and close a sale. I used to try hard to close sales. They used to have to come in and help me close them. But after a while, you get good at it. So I walked in and I explained to Lindsay, oh, mate, I, I, need, I need to bring somebody in. He's gone, oh, I'll give, oh, okay. He just got up and walked away. Sort of a blank look on his face. He, he looked like a big bloodhound at times. It's sort of one of those faces. And when he looked sad, he looked really sad. So uh, I brought this lady in and asked her to be seated and I went to go and get some extra chairs for the rest of the family and suddenly I hear this shrieking and shrieking and oh my God, oh my God, what's it shrieking? So I run over to the office and Lindsay had been sitting all morning catching moths and blowflies and little crickets out in the yard. What else that he found being caught up in the corner of the window that was behind him and he'd pulled their wings off and he'd put pins in their back with little white paper flags that he'd written on them, and he had little titles on them like, I love Lindsay, Lindsay for president, Lindsay's a great guy. And they were wandering around the desk plotter. There's about 10 or 15 of them, and the blowflies, moths and crickets, they'd be marching up and down the desk pad to the beat of him tapping his knuckles up and down on the desk. Things you do when you get bored in the car trade, he said to me later, when he was dragged across the coals by the boss. Uh, I loved Lindsay. He was just good value. Well, my stint at Paddo's was almost over by then, and I left him eventually to join a company called AGC. A man called Laurie Tyler was 
buying a lot of our business and a lot of stuff that Lombard just went buying. So we tended to, you know, favour AGC and GMAC wouldn't look at them. So AGC became one of our last ports of call to get people set. We didn't go to AFCO, a custom credit company, because, well, Paddo's didn't like that. It, it was a little bit, mm. and AGC weren't so bad. They're sort of the Bank of New South Wales, and which is now Westpac. And Laurie had said to me one day, you're happy working Saturdays and putting all the hours in. You know, you're here some nights till nine o'clock. What about coming and joining us here at AGC? You know, work five days a week, a company car. You're still earning good money but you won't have to put in all those hours, and he went on at me and on at me, and obviously, you know, you're putting in the hours and doing the hard graft, and you probably earn similar sorts of money. And I looked at him one day, and he just kept at me and at me in this particular day, and I said to him, you're probably right. I'm having a bit of a hard trot at the moment. And sounds like a bit of me. When would you like me to start? And with that, I went to see my boss. I think it was Gary Young. It might have been Barry Juppin. They tried pretty hard to talk me out of leaving, which was very nice of them. They told me what was planned for me going forward and how there was this process that, you know, one day I'd become a special salesman, then an assistant sales manager and a sales manager, maybe have my own lot one day. And But I just needed to move on. I said, you know, I'm married now, I'm buying a house. And to be honest, I, I just need to have weekends with my wife and I've just got a new baby on the way and or maybe I think Heather had been born by that stage. And So I said, thank you very much, but no thanks. And so my days at Bill Patterson Motors ended and my life was about to change once more. I'll come back to those early days at Paddo's because they were great days. Time to time as little memory bubbles pop up in my head, anything a bit funny. In fact, while I'm talking now, there's a few more I can probably tell. But enough of that. Let's move on. Before I go, I'd also like to remind you that I have a website now, www.gordonmcleish.com. And you'll find some uh, photos, some diagrams, some funny memes and uh, a link to some of these podcasts as well as photos um, of adverts that people have uh, been posting and just some general bits and pieces that might be of interest to you. So that's www.gordonmcleish.com. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review or subscribe to or follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Gordon McLeish, and thank you for listening.